All right, well, we're in Psalm 114 this morning. Father, we, we thank you for this morning, Lord. We thank you for a body of believers who love you, who love your word, and who want to be involved. And Lord, I, I just thank you. This, this body always steps up when it's needed. And, and, and I know that. I have no concerns. So I just thank you and praise you because you are always there. You inspire people to do what needs to be done. And we just thank you for that. And we want to just be open to your Holy Spirit. Even now, Father, I pray for the gift of teaching. I want to be led by your Holy Spirit. And for every heart in this room, Lord, we, there's a lot of needs. There's a lot of concerns. There's probably a lot of joy. Father, we thank you for that. But we don't want to take any of that for granted. We want to bring it to you even right now, this very second. And say, clear our minds. Help us to focus on your word. This, this love letter to humanity. Help us to focus on this for these few moments in eternity. That we might grow. That we might mature. That as we go out into our mission field, we'll use your word to impact our society. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as I mentioned last week, Psalm 113 and 114 would have been sung at the beginning of the Passover celebrations, celebration with Psalms 115 and 118 being sung at the end. They're the Hallel Psalms. Hallel and Yah, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. And so we'll see that phrase in these, in these chapters, in these songs. And this morning, our next psalm is going to once again sing, because remember, if you're new or visiting, the psalms are songs, going to sing about the exodus from Egypt to the homeland of Israel. Verses 1 and 2, Psalm 114. When Israel went out of Egypt, the house of Jacob from a people of strange language, Judah became his sanctuary, and Israel his dominion. Now notice the capital H there in both situations, his, his. So this is speaking of God, God's sanctuary, God's dominion. And so when God brought Israel out of Egypt, he desired to take his word to the whole world from a very specific place, chosen by him, chosen by God, and that place is called Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And so Egypt was a place where the nation grew physically. Went in with 70, came out with approximately 3 million. So Egypt was a place where the nation grew physically, and the land of Israel would be the place where the nation will mature spiritually. Mature spiritually. And Jerusalem, which is located in Judea, so notice that, Judea became his sanctuary. That was where the temple was built in various temples and where the last temple will be built on the Temple Mount. Israel eventually ruled the Middle East during the reign of King David. And if you get a map of when King David reigned, it is nothing compared to what they have now. And yet the world is still telling them on a regular basis, you have too much land, the size of New Jersey. You need to give it back because it's not yours. No, it's not theirs. It's God's. And God said, I'm giving it to them, and they're going to be there no matter what anyone says. 
You see, as the psalmist reflects over the years, they are heading back from Babylon to the land of promise with the false gods behind them and the one true God in front of them. And as he meditates on that fact, he reflects on the past. Verses 3 through 6, the sea saw it and fled. That would be the Red Sea. Jordan turned back. The mountains skipped like rams, the little hills like lambs. What ails you, O sea, that you fled? O Jordan, that you turned back? O mountains, that you skipped like rams? O little hills like lambs? You see, the Red Sea, and then 40 years later, the Jordan River stopped its flow so that the people of Israel could cross over on dry land. And as the psalmist uses this poetic language, it probably stirred the heart of the people to remember the joy that God brought the children of Israel through his miraculous interventions. See, most people don't even believe those stories. It's impossible. Nothing is impossible for a God who spoke everything into being. Nothing is impossible. So you even reading this, and if you sit there and go, yes, that happened, you are of a very, very, very minor group. Very minor. It's a fable. It's a story. No, it's fact. It's fact. The truth is found in the word of God. And coming from Babylon, there was a second exodus now taking place. And the people needed to be reminded of that fact. You see, as Paul wrote in Romans 8.31, And this is important for you and I today. Again, because it's easy for you and I to forget that God actually did these things. That it's not just a story, some distant story, you know, a few thousand years ago. No, it's a fact today. What shall we, what then shall we say to these? If God is for us, who can be against us? Guys, with God, that's a majority. And if you have the Holy Spirit dwelling in you as a, if you're a believer, you do have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. If you're not a believer, if you do not have Jesus as your Savior, you are not a believer, you do not have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you. So a lot of people can come against you. But when you have the Holy Spirit dwelling within you, God, bring it on. Bring it on. I've got God on my side. What could happen? Tremble, O earth, at the presence of the Lord, at the presence of the God of Jacob, who turned the rock into a pool of water, the flint into a fountain of waters. You see, God caused water to come forth out of a rock, not once but twice during their wilderness journey, those 40 years in the wilderness. It was definitely a miracle, and again, the psalmist wanted the people to remember not only God's interventions, but God's provision, God's provision. And how often do we need to remember that, that God is going to provide? He will provide. Even when it seems impossible, God will always be there. And they were heading into some very hard times in Jerusalem, and each and every Passover would bring new hope for the continued blessings of God. Remember, Jesus is celebrating his last Passover, So night before his crucifixion, he would have been singing these songs at the beginning of the Passover. He's going to sing the next four at the end of the Passover. So even as we read these psalms, these songs, we need to remember Jesus sung these. It would have been great to have a a, a tape of that. 
a recording of that, to hear his voice. One day when Jesus returns to this earth, as we think about Jesus singing this psalm, one day this physical earth will indeed tremble at his return. It will. Read the book of Revelation. The book of Revelation is true. It's a part of your Bible. Read from Genesis all the way through Revelation. Psalm 115. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory. So now we're at the end of the Passover. Jesus would have been and the disciples would have been singing these songs as well as everyone else in a house that is celebrating the Passover. Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but to your name give glory because of your mercy, because of your truth. Why should the Gentiles say, so where is their God? You see, this psalm was probably written for a dedication of the second temple at the time of Ezra. And it was a psalm that was designed for interaction amongst the people. So a priest most likely would have sung those first two verses. And when the Israelites came back to the promised land, the Gentiles mocked the Jews and attempted to stop their rebuilding project. And we can see this specifically played out in the book of Nehemiah. It didn't work because God was the one who was overseeing the project. And when God's overseeing the project, it's going to get taken care of. But the typical question was asked then and is still asked today of the believer. When things don't appear to be going well or what would be called normal, here's the question. So where's your God now? You go to church on Sunday. Where's your God now? Well, the congregation would respond in verses 3 through 8. But our God is in heaven. He does whatever he pleases. Their idols are silver and gold, the work of men's hands. They have mouths, but they do not speak. Eyes they have, but they do not see. They have ears, but they do not hear. Noses they have, but they do not smell. They have hands, but they do not handle. Feet they have, but they do not walk. Nor do they mutter through their throat. Now again, they're coming from Babylon. Do you think they've seen a few idols in Babylon? Just a few. Just a few. Many of these people were born and raised in Babylon. They understood idol worship. Those who make them, so the psalmist makes this point, which is very important for you and I today. Those who make them are like them. So is everyone who trusts in them. Again, the psalmist makes a simple point. Our God is in heaven and can move amongst his creation as he pleases. And for you and I, this can be challenging. This can be very, very hard. But the more you read your word, the more you grow in your understanding of who God is, that he's not just some distant force who gets mad every now and then and who's happy every now and then. But you come to understand that, no, he's a, he's a God. He's a father. He understands what it means to be a father. 
that he can relate to me, he can relate to everyone, that he has compassion, grace, and mercy, that he is a God of love, but he is also a God of justice. When you get the bigger picture and you bring it all together, the false gods are quite obvious. And what I get a kick out of is, is he even says this, what do people have to do with their false gods when they move? Pack the U-Haul. Did we get everything in the mule? I think we did. How about God? Did you bring God? Oh, he's on the shelf. Go get God off the shelf. Make sure he comes with us. That's your God? But that's reality. There's a lot of gods in America right now. Little G, there are a lot of gods. You see, the congregation sings of the nonsense of the idol stating at the end the matter of the fact in in this chapter. Those who make the idols and then worship them are just like them. They are spiritually dead. I said at the end of the chapter in verse 8 there. Those who make them are like them, so is everyone who trusts in them. Bring God, bring that idol. I'm just like them. I'm spiritually dead. I'm just spiritually dead. They remain like their idol, unable to listen to the voice, the true voice of God, and blind, unable to see God's hand in his creation. But the God of creation has a mouth. And he speaks to us through his word via the Holy Spirit. And I cannot emphasize this enough, guys. Please do not sit around waiting for God to talk to you before you move, before you believe in him, before you trust in his word. I personally, in 41 years, maybe I'm not spiritual enough, but I've never heard the voice of God in my 41 years as a Christian. I've never audibly heard the voice of God. But as I read my Bible from Genesis to Revelation, year after year after year, reading those same stories at 58 years old, God still talks to me via the Holy Spirit through his word on a regular basis. And as I'm doing my devotional time, as you should be doing, you will hear that still small voice of the Holy Spirit saying, there it is. There what is? There's your attitude. And that needs to change. Oh. Okay. You know what, God? You're right, once again. There it is. And he's revealing things to me at 58 that he didn't reveal at 48. And at 48 at 38. And at 38, 28. So forth and so on. Because I wasn't mature enough. I wasn't ready. I wasn't listening. Whatever the case may be. How many of you, I see a show of hands, how many of you read a verse and you've read that verse many, many times in years gone by, but for whatever reason, now that verse has impacted your life. Have any of you ever had that experience? Raise your hand high. Isn't that crazy? Why does that happen? Because you're in a place and you're willing to listen to God and you're in that place of maturity. You're ready to hear it now and you see it and you understand it differently and you go, ah, it's not just for that idiot over there. That's for me. I would have never got that. But now you're ready to get it. So guys, don't wait for God to call you on the phone and talk to you. It's it's not going to happen. Get into the Word of God. 
You see, our God has eyes and he watches over us to guide us and protect us. Our God has ears and hears our prayers, which is amazing to me. And he answers them accordingly. Our God has a nose and receives prayers like the sweet aroma of incense, the Bible tells us. Our God has hands, which gently correct us, leading us back into right standing with him. Our God has feet, which lead us in the way everlasting, because our God is not made of stone or some other type of material. He is real. And humanity was created in his image. You see, those returning to Israel are remembering exactly why they were taken out of the promised land. And if you've been doing the daily reading, we're in Jeremiah right now, and if, if you haven't, you can start reading it, and you will see why they were taken off the land. They went from knowing God to idol worshipers. And America has gone from knowing God to idol worshipers. Really? Don't show hands. But how many of you would lift up the Republican Party? How many of you would lift up the Democratic Party? How many of you would lift up a sports team? How many of you would lift up a Hollywood? Someone in Hollywood, a singer, an an actor, whatever it is. How how many of us would would do these various things? Well, I don't have any idols. Uh, Be careful. Even our children, even our grandchildren can become idols. And we start to lift them up above the word of God. And I'm just giving you what I hear, guys. I don't make this stuff up. I'm just giving you what I hear. And when I hear a parent lift up a child and say, well, you know, I just don't want to lose that relationship. And you lift up that child over God, that child's become an idol. It's become an idol and you will become like that child. That child's already forsaken God and walked away from God and now you are becoming like that child and you're forsaking God and walking away from God. Don't ever do that. Don't ever do that. You let that child know, as for me in my house, we're serving the Lord. And if you want to leave, you leave. You want to do what you want to do, you do what you want to do. That's your choice. But I'm going to follow the word of God. Let the world call me a bad parent. I'm going to be the parent that you need to see a Bible-believing Christian that is willing to die for the Word of God. Because that's what we need in our culture today. Not a bunch of wimpy Christians. Oh, my child. Let him go. You don't think God knows where he is? You don't think God understands her heart? God knows way better than you, so get over it. God knows way better than you. And God knows what to do to bring that child home. You see, they forsook the one true God and embraced the false idols of their pagan neighbors. So what's the exhortation as they were heading back to the promised land? In verses 9 through 11, the choir would probably sing these verses in 9 through 11. O Israel, trust in the Lord. For you and I today... Oh, believer, I'm not going to say, oh, America. Even though our money says in God we trust, that's not a fact. So let's make it real. Let's make it understandable and put the word believer in there. Not that this is replacing Israel. Don't even talk to me about that. We don't replace Israel. But let's make it applicable. Oh, believer, trust in the Lord. 
God is their help and their shield. O house of Aaron, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. You who reverence the Lord, you who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. Do you you see a little theme there? You kind of see some words that are repetitious there? Trying to drive home a point? What are some of those words? Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord. Guys, you and I, we got to trust in the Lord in these days we're living in. Because we can get caught up in this nonsense. You who fear the Lord, trust in the Lord. He is their help and their shield. Notice that phrase. He is their help and their shield. He will help us and he will protect us. For everyone in the whole nation of Israel to trust in the Lord. But how does that work out in our lives today? Well, just like they had the word of God then and had the opportunity to study and live it out, even we even more so have the same opportunity today. The way that we move away from fear, worry, anxiety, and the such is to read and study the word, specifically, specifically learning how to trust in the God who spoke the universe into being. We have to trust that God knows what he's doing. I'm going to do my part. I already sent in my early ballot. Who likes a line? That's ridiculous. Go get a sticker and put it on your shoulder. Big deal. Do your responsible thing. But always go back to God. God, you've got a plan. I just did my part. I'm trusting in you. You've got a plan. I'm just going to stay focused on you. And the people would respond in verses 12 and 13. The Lord has been mindful of us. He will bless us. He will bless the house of Israel. He will bless the house of Aaron. He will bless those who fear the Lord, both small and great. They're coming back from Babylon and they're realizing We used to idolize our priests. We used to idolize certain people. And we were all the same in Babylon. We were all the same in Assyria. We were all slaves. Nobody had a higher ranking than anybody else. We were all oppressed. Help us, God, to remember, not to lift up man, but to lift you up. Both small and great notice that. The priests then would pronounce a blessing upon the people as we're singing the psalm. May the Lord give you increase more and more. You and your children. May you be blessed by the Lord who made heaven and earth. And then verses 16 through 18, the whole congregation would join together and sing. The heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's. But the earth is... He has given to the children of men. The dead do not praise the Lord, nor any who go down into silence. But we will bless the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. Praise the Lord. You see, the Lord is the one who inhabits heaven, while those who are made in his image inhabit the earth that he created. We each have our place. And it is only upon the death of the saint, which I call graduation, 
that we leave this place and inhabit our new bodies. In verse 18 there, but we will bless the Lord. We'll bless those two words in the Hebrew. They mean to kneel, to praise. To kneel, to praise. To kneel, which is that form of submission, of worship. You see, the dead are those who did not have a relationship with the Lord, will never praise him in eternity. But those who have a relationship with the Lord, and I know for most of you in this room, most of you have a relationship with Jesus, with God via Jesus Christ. We will praise his holy name forevermore. And since we're going to be praising his holy name forevermore, let's build that trust now so that we're praising his name now and not waiting till then to give him praise. It's easy to complain on this side of heaven. So easy to complain, especially with what's going on in our society. But let's praise him so that others might see a difference in our lives, so that they might understand there's a God who is real. And that maybe they are following false gods. Maybe they do need to repent. Maybe we do need to find out, who's this God that you worship? I do see a difference in your life. I do see a difference in your character. I do see a a difference in your disposition. I don't see you getting caught up in the, the black versus white, the Republican versus the Democrat, the male versus the female. Guys, that's happening in our culture. The enemy has come to do what? John 10, 10. To steal kill and destroy but jesus says i have come that you may have life that you may have life and life abundantly that doesn't mean things as soon as we hear that stuff sometimes we go in america because the bible those that verse is, is read over in all the other countries that have absolutely nothing but in america we just all of a sudden start thinking cars oh cars and and toys and homes and money and retirement and blah blah no. What do we need abundance in? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, self-control, temperance. It's called the fruit of the Holy Spirit. That's what we need an abundance of. We got enough toys. We don't need any more toys. We need more of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you and praise you for this morning. And Lord, I just thank you and praise you for the, all that you allow us to do. And, and we can't do this in and of ourselves. Otherwise, it's pointless. So again, Father, we just invite your Holy Spirit to be in the midst of our harvest party this Wednesday night. It's great to see the kids and it's so much fun to see one another and, and families that have left here and they come back and, and it's just sweet fellowship seeing each other. They're going to other churches. They're living in other parts of the valley, but yet they, they make the trip on that night just to come here. It's just it's such a blessing. So, Father, help us to bless our community. Help us to be available for our community, to be aware of all those who show up that night. For, Lord, I know there's going to be people there that night that they need prayer. They, they don't really need candy. They need prayer. They need someone to come alongside them and just love on them, to say hello, to actually shake their hand, to greet them. 
Father, we thank you and praise you for our property. And, and we just want to use it for your glory. So we pray for safety. There's going to be a lot going on that night, Father. We pray for safety on all the jumpies, the slides, the, the cooking, the candy, the, the parking lot, security, just all the things that are taking place. We ask your, Father, we ask your blessing upon all aspects of the night. And Father, we pray for Operation Christmas Child. Again, Father, may we get our children and our grandchildren focused on the real meaning of Christmas. Yes, they're going to get gifts. But Lord, help us to teach them that it's better to give than to receive. Help us to take them into the toy aisle and pray over those toys that we're going to put into a box to take them into the apparel section and to pray over that shirt and those shorts and those socks, to take them into the, to the hygiene area and, and pray over the, the toothpaste and the toothbrushes. Father, that our children and our grandchildren would realize we need to pray and we need to bless others. Father, we thank you for, for Franklin Graham and what you put on his heart. And all the children that are going to be touched a month from now, two months from now. Father, we even pray right now for those children, the the 11 plus million children that are going to receive a box. Father, we thank you according to your word that the Holy Spirit is drawing them to the cross. Father, we pray that every child that receives a tract would learn what it means that you are a loving Heavenly Father who sent His one and only Son to die for them, to rise again, and who is seated at your right hand, Father, interceding on their behalf. What a blessing, Lord. Use us. I pray that every slot will be filled Wednesday night and that every slot will be filled for Operation Christmas Child. We thank you, Lord. Father, we pray for anyone in this room right now as the saints are praying who who does not have a personal relationship with Jesus. Father, we intercede right now. Lord, we take these moments to stand in that spiritual gap. They need Jesus. As the saints are praying, if you're here this morning and you do not have Jesus as your Savior, you cannot say, If I died right now, I'd go to heaven. Then you need Jesus. And so I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And it's a simple earthly prayer. But if you are sincere, if you mean it, God in heaven hears that prayer. And you will become a son. You will become a daughter. It's your free will. I greatly encourage you to receive Jesus. Don't put it off. Just pray this simple prayer. God, I need you. I've had plenty of idols. And I still got a bunch. But they just sit there. They're of no value. Thank you for this morning and Thank you for allowing me to hear 
that you are real, that your son took on frail human flesh, that he was tempted like I am, but he chose not to sin. He's holy. He's spotless. He's sinless. God, I'll never be there. So I accept Jesus as my Savior right now. I don't understand what this all means, but I'm going to do it. God, I invite your Holy Spirit into my life right now. Help me to trust you. Help me to grow by reading your word. And I say thank you, God, that I can now call you Father. My Father. That I am now your son. I am now your daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for the free gift of salvation. And Lord, we just pray for anyone who prayed that prayer that you would strengthen them and that they would allow us to come alongside them to encourage them and strengthen them. Lord, as we go out into our mission field this week, help us to be faithful ambassadors. Help us to be good examples of Christianity as we see the, the church crumbling in so many areas. Help us, Father, to stay focused for your glory via the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. Why don't we all stand, guys? God bless you. Have a great day. It's going to be a busy week, so I encourage you to come out and help us. Wednesday morning, 8 a.m., Wednesday night. You can go online. Operation Christmas Child. God bless you guys. If you need prayer, please come up. If you receive Jesus, please come up. We'd love to meet you. God bless you guys. God is
the Lord.